Hallelujah. Can you turn to the book of Revelation? We both want to give God praise for what he's done during the year, but also take hold of what he is speaking and saying as we come into this new year. Something God has been pressing on my heart for, I don't know how long, but I, 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 was, I was really impressed. The Lord just, just said, hold it and then use it for this sermon, use it for this time. So I'm not going to do it. It's not going to be a full message, but it's something very particular I felt the Lord wanted us to do as we step into 2024 make it a focus and a, and a prophetic direction for us. Um, in book of Revelation, I shared this a few weeks ago. Um, in Revelation chapter 17. And we focused how the... Um, well, let's just read it from verse 12. Revelation 17, 12. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom... For they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. And these will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. Hallelujah. <laughs> and but this is the part I got to preach on. You can go back and find it. Um, you know, I think it's called I'm With Him. It says, because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. In other words, he overcame, but they were those who were with him. And, and, and I'm on his side. I'm on, I'm on the victor's side. But I was always at the same time impressed by this concept that says that the kings and the, and the people in, in the world, it says they gave their power and authority to the beast. So they, they took what they had and they gave it to the beast for his use and then used it to go against Jesus. But Jesus overcame them. But it says there was those who were with Jesus. And I just had this real impression in my heart. I said, Lord, I want to give what I have to you. You know, they, they took their power and their authority and gave it to the beast. And, you say, and I recognize that um, there's nothing in, in my flesh. There's nothing actually in myself that I can give that's of you know, value. I, I, you know, it says our righteousness, our own self-righteousness is filthy rags to the Lord. It's, it's nothing. There's an emptiness. But there is something we can give to the Lord. We can give our hearts to him. We can give our, our passion to him. We can give our service to him. We can give. Not in the sense of, Lord, uh, I'm so cool, I'm giving you something. But just in the sense of, Lord, here I am. Use me. Lord, I, they, gave, they gave themselves to the beast. Well, I'm on your side. I want to give you my part, whatever I can give, whatever I can give to you. you know, and it's, I think of the, the stories of uh, the, the people that were the, um, the talents and the, and the money, and then they were given, and they went out and they, they, they used it and they invested it, and they were able to multiply that and use that for the, the kingdom of God. And um, so it's in that sense. It's just simply in, I want to be, take whatever gifts and callings you've put on my life and I want to use them to the Lord. You know, um, uh, it says, you know, um, don't cast your pearls before the swine. You know that verse? Well, what it's the opposite is, well, take your pearls and give them to God. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Don't take what God has given you and then use it for the wrong purposes, but take what you've got and give them to God. 
bless him with that. And so I've been meditating and thinking, saying, Lord, how can we do that? And I was very impressed if we go back to Revelation chapter 2. The concept of what a church is and a local church and how we use what God's given us together to do that, not just as individuals. Like that's, that's one thing for me to say, Lord, I'm going to use, Lord, what, here I am, use me. Here I am, send me. You know, it, it's, I love, I love the, the thought of Isaiah. I remember when he was, I think it's Isaiah chapter 6, let's see. Um, you know, he has the, the vision of the Lord, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. Thing. And um, verse 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom will I send who will go out for us? Then I said, Well, here am I. Send me. Here I am. Send me. I, I, the Lord's looking, looking, looking for those who can use like this. So, And so, that, but there's a... a an, in, in our Western mindset, we t- tend to think very individually, very uh, much about us as an individual, whereas the Bible and the mindset of the people where the Bible was written was very community-minded, very family-minded, very community. You know, that's when the Philippian jailer gets saved. It says he was saved and all his household, which would have meant all his family and children and his servants, everybody. <laughs> when he, he came back and he said, hey, guess what? And then they all embraced it together. So there's a, there's a, there's a oh, well, let's do this together. And in Revelation chapter 2, we have before the message of what God's going to do and the, and the picture of the, the revealing of, the, of the, um, the future and the end times and the work that God's going to do, he first of all has seven messages to seven churches. And if you look at it, it um, in the, I haven't got the map to, to put on the screen, but... You know, it's sort of from Ephesus and they fan out the other six churches doing sort of a, um, a semicircle, quarter circle around with the other churches. And Ephesus was sort of the centre of a, a lot of the, the church work. Um, that's the church that John would have been involved with. It's the church right before um, John wrote the book of Revelation. It says he was on the Isle of Patmos. Well, Patmos was just an island just off Ephesus. Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. There's good um, historical uh, records that show that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there at the church of Ephesus. I've often said that would have been really interesting for Timothy. You know, have the mother of Jesus as one of your congregation members. Um, have John, the apostle, on the other side. You're like, whoa. Um... But it was a it was an influential church, but the, the other churches and the, and um, but it's how Jesus viewed them, viewed the churches, and then I want to tie it into what I was saying earlier from Revelation, where we we bring our gifts, we bring out what we're to do. In verse chapter twenty of ch- chapter one. John's been given this revelation of Jesus, and he sees Jesus standing there. And it says he's got seven stars in his hand and seven gold, and he's standing amongst seven golden lampstands. So it says, as for the mystery, this is verse 20, as the mystery of the seven stars, how good is it when we see things and it says this is what it means? Because otherwise you could argue forever. Like if, they, if you never told us what they mean, ten commentaries could give ten different interpretations of this. But praise God, it's right there nice and clear. 
Um, as for the mystery of the seven stars, which even the, and there's a little bit of uncertainty in the, how the word is used. Even as for the mystery of the seven stars, which we saw in my right hand. So he's got seven stars. He sees seven stars. He says, who are those seven stars? Well, he says, and, and most English translations will use it's seven messengers, uh, seven angels. I don't know whether your Bible says seven angels. It's the seven angels. Well, that's a... a, a, um, a that comes from the, the understanding that the Greek word for um, this, the Greek word for angels is angelos. It's just a transliteration. It's just literally. You, you, do you want to speak some Greek? Angels. It's just the Greek word. It's the same as if you go to Africa and they say Coca-Cola. All right. They're not trying to. Um, they're just putting an English word into their language. Um, I heard some Asian being spoken just recently. Maybe anyone who can speak Asian, correct me. There, I heard the word app. In the middle, da 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 app, talking about a phone. And I, I have a feeling they've just taken the, the, the English word app, like a phone app, and that's become their word. Now, for us, app comes from what? Anyone know where the word app comes from? Application. And it's just a shortened for, version of the word application. Um, so, application to us does not mean every app that's on a phone, it has a broad meaning. But it's come to have a narrow meaning. Then you take that narrow meaning and you put it in another language and it loses all sense of, of where it came from. It's just got the one meaning now. All right? And um, so um, angelos was the Greek word for messenger. It just meant the someone who was sent to represent and to be a messenger. It talks about human messengers. It talks about heavenly messengers. A heavenly messenger would be like Gabriel coming and, he, and they said he is a messenger. They did not have a word that particularly denoted angelic, what we call angelic beings, come with a message. They just called them messengers. And you just knew that they were heavenly messengers by the context. You know, when, the, when, jo, you know, when Joseph had a dream and it says a messenger appeared to him, they just knew what type of messenger it was. But when it says in another place, he sent, the, the, you know, Herod would send forth a messenger to go and get them. He wasn't sending angels. He was sending a, what was a messenger. But in the context, we have, a, we have an understanding. So when there's, but in English, we, we, we differentiate. We have a messenger and then we have heavenly messengers and we give them their own special term and we use the Greek word angelos to, to refer to angels. So when they came to translate this, it says I, I, there are seven messengers. These are the seven messengers. The people who are putting it in English and say, well, what kind of messengers are they? Are they the natural messengers or are they the angelic heavenly messengers? And uh, Rick Renner was the first one who really... This is his book. This covers three of the churches in Revelation. Um, and, and if you could hear it, that's how it feels. It's a... It's a it's a solid book. Um, but, but that was the first one that really opened my eyes when he explained that it doesn't have to be angels. It could be referred to seven messengers. Now, we don't know whether it was an angel, but what he said was it's the messenger or the person who is given the, the responsibility of bringing the message of the Lord to that church. So it would be the lead elder, the, the, the chief elder of the church. Um, now, you can't prove that. But it, it fits for me. But it also meant I read this in a new light. It was like, hey, the senior pastor was being given a particular message for that church. He was being made responsible for that. 
So it wasn't like some angel. No, it's us. We are the ones that now must do this. So, and then it says, um, and this is the second thing I had never stopped to really think about, was the churches were given a particular, they said the seven um, stars of the angels of church, but the seven lampstands, they saw seven lampstands are the seven churches. So, if I, you know, just telling you what the Bible says, the senior pastor is a star. <laughs> and, you are, and you guys are a what? A lampstand. Now, I had never really paid much attention to that until Rick Renner sort of yeah. stopped me, made me stop and think about it a little bit and pause a bit. What does it mean to be a lampstand? Let's go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Jesus is preaching, and he says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He said, I'll tell you something that you don't do with a light or with a, a lamp. Verse 15, Nor do men light a lamp and put it under the peck measure, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. What's this peck measure? Isn't it great when they throw things in that mean nothing? Okay, peck measure was a, um, a measurement for, that they use, Chris, if you move, you've got a basket underneath you, you don't even realise. <laughs> you've got a peck measure. This is not a peck measure, but this is my sample of a peck measure. It was either a box, a bowl, or possibly a woven basket that they would use to measure. So this sort of would be ripped. He said, you don't light a lamp and then put this on it. That's the dumbest thing ever. He said, but what you do do is put it on a lampstand. And um, I didn't know they had lampstands. And in, in the times of Jesus, in a house, they would have lamps. Now, you can actually buy artifacts, which are lamps from the Herodian times and the times of Jesus. And they're just little clay things. And they're, they're original. They dig them up. They're quite common because they were, but they're also reasonably expensive. <laughs> and I, I watched a, um, a show where Rick Renner was sharing on some of these things. He had about five or six original lamps, stand, lamps, stand, all different sort of shapes. And he's a five or six. I'm like, five or six? What did he pay? <laughs> and so then I thought, I can go online, you can buy them on eBay. But, but then I was concerned. You could spend hundreds and hundreds, maybe $1,000 for original artifact. And I didn't know whether there was some guy sitting in the back of a, <laughs> a warehouse making original artifacts. <laughs> Bit of a blowtorch. <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> chip it here, chip it there. Another original. And I wouldn't be able to tell. But then I found you could buy um, replicas of originals. Even, you know, they're about $50 online. But I thought it was better to pay $50 and get one that I know is a replica <laughs> and spend $1,000 and get one that I don't know is a replica <laughs> made by this guy's brother <laughs> in the stall next. So I have purchased a Herodian lamp. All right? Now, so you, apparently they're very common. If you go in Israel, isn't that right, Joe? They'll try to sell you. Will they try and sell you originals in, in Jerusalem? Yeah, that's trying to see an original, you know, like a, 
historical one, but we. Um, but this is what their lamp looked like, and they would take a little bit of olive oil. And you just would fill it with oil. And then there's a wick. I don't know whether you can see that. And, um, yes, if you can. I've run out of hands. So you can see they're not, not particularly giant. So there, yeah, it's a little handle there. And they said the dumbest thing you could do is to light your lamp and then cover it. But I never thought about the next thing. What's the next thing you do? They say you don't, you see, I just flick the light switch and our lights come on. You light a lamp, you don't just stand there all day. I have a lamp. I have a lamp. In fact, there's a, there's a, a reference um, to, I think, Second Kings, where it says that, they, and that woman and her husband said, we're going to make a little room for a prophet. Little prophet, and they said we'll put a bed and a table and a lampstand in there. A lot of translations say it's we'll put a lamp in there, but actually the, the translation is a lampstand. Just understanding they're going to put a lamp on, so it's actually the word for stand, lampstand. So a, a normal house, you would have you know your bed and a, a little table, but you've got to have somewhere to put this because if you don't, it's just on the ground, not very helpful. So where did they do it? They had things called lampstands. So I have made a lampstand. Pretty fancy. Um, Jay, put some photos up of lampstands. These are some of the ancient lampstands. There you go. They're from different um, museums. Um, so, you know, just ancient lampstands, Herodian era lampstands. So... The, and you can see the one on the, the left is sort of a diagram with the little lamp on it. All right. So sometimes they, they're shown with the actual oil and things, but often it's just the actual base, and you would put the lamp on a lampstand. So when Jesus said, men do not light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand. It's, that's what it's designed to do. Why? Because that's going to... Spread that circle of light now quite significantly. It's got a place now to shine into the, the home because it's got a place to sit. Jesus said, these stars, and then he had seven golden. Okay, this is not golden. Gold. Jay, do you have a, some, of the, some of the illustrations that people have done um, of Jesus amongst the seven golden lampstands? Obviously, just using their imagination based on what we see. We got that there. No, can't find that. Just do a do a search for lamp, and you might find it in um, hidden back there from a few months ago. So, Jesus said, "Let's go back to Revelation." The seven stars are the seven messengers. The seven lampstands, lampstands, not lamps, lampstands, are the seven churches. 
And then he said something really interesting to the church of Ephesus. To the angel, to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, write this, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil. So he is now speaking to the church at Ephesus. I know of your perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men and you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. You have found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my namesake and you have not grown weary. I reckon that's a good tick to the church at Ephesus. They are doing well. But, you know, it's always, you know, when you got your report card? Doing well, da, da, da. But, that's not, Unless, unless you're the opposite sort of student. Struggling, 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 struggling. But, you know, he's always friendly. <laughs> he always smiles in class. You know, when that's like, I've got to write something about him. Like, you know, mine was, might be a little bit more the other, you know, da, 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 da. But tends to be a bit, just a bit disruptive, you know. <laughs> Nailing the studies, but, you know, likes a joke. Um, <laughs> my family are amazed. They thought they wouldn't. Remember, therefore, it says, but I have this against you. you. You have left your first love. All right, not lost, as many people mistakenly translate it. If I said I lost my child in the shopping center, you'd feel sorry for me. If I said I left my child in the shopping center, <laughs> you would not feel sorry for me. You'd say, what, what, what in the world are you doing, you idiot? <laughs> Go and get them. All right? Um, they did not lose their first love. They left their first love. That's why it was a problem. Okay? They, they, they walked away from it. Focused on other things. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent. Do the deeds you did at first or else, or else I'm coming to you. Now, this is to the whole church. I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. In other words, he says, you will not have the privilege of holding my light in your area. That is a privilege. Jesus says, it's my light. You get to be the lampstand. And he says, so here, in the area, Bayswater, bordering on one Turner, is a lampstand. And we get the privilege of shining the light. Okay, so two dumb things we can do. Number one is, oh, let's not make anybody see what... Let's just keep it to ourselves. The light's still shining, but just for us. Let's light up the inside of a box because it'll look really bright. How many know that's true? Put a light under a small bowl. It will look amazing for everyone in the bowl. <laughs> How bright is our light? But he did not call the churches to be peck measures or bowls or baskets. He said you ought to be lampstands. You ought to elevate this so it shines as brightly as it can in your space. And he said, then you've got to, it's not everything goes in my to be a lampstand you're representing me and there's things and and to be honest I wouldn't have even I never would have guessed that one of the things 
I would have said perseverance and, and truth and all the things that they ticked the box. But he said, you've left your first love. That's not going to cut it. All right? It's not about just being seen to be doing the right thing. It's about genuine passion. That's why it's interesting how the Lord led us. That was not on our program this morning, but praying for the passion and the fire of God because that's what it takes to be a lampstand. Hallelujah. So God's sort of orchestrating things outside of what we're planning. But this is what we are. This is our privilege to be a lampstand. Now, we, we are the light. It says you are the light of the world. But in this context, what it's saying is the light is from Jesus and we are the lampstand to position that. That's what a church is. And I was, I was thinking, I've been praying and, like I said, meditating on this for a little while. And um, I was driving somewhere and I thought, oh, I'll listen to a podcast. And I was trying to find a good you know, message to listen to and just couldn't get, you know, you know sometimes when it's, your phone's not working, anyone have that, you know, can't get a connection here. It's like, anyway, this message came up from a podcast series I used to listen to um, by, a guy, by a man called um, Brody Shearer. I think it's Brody, not Brady. Brody. Brady. Brady. It is Brady. Brady Shearer. Talks about helping the church to um, understand the, the communication shift that's happened over the last hundreds of years and that's now happening. And so I haven't sort of, you know, been listening. I, there's nothing wrong with it. I just hadn't sort of... And suddenly his podcast popped up and it had a title about the next generation. I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I'll listen to it. As it was, they talked for the first 10 or 15 minutes not about that, but something which just grabbed my heart. And I thought, thank you, Lord. Because I had a guest speaker on. He was not a pastor, but he was part of a church. And he said they'd just gone through COVID and they're on the other side of COVID now. And he said, how did, how did that affect you, your church? He said, well, my pastor was actually um, very overwhelmed by it. He said, I, I spoke to my pastor and he said, um, I, he said, I think our church will not survive. COVID. And he said, why? He said, because all the people are going to get a taste for the Stephen Furtick's out there whilst they're in lockdown. And I'm not a Stephen Furtick preacher. Then they're going to be able to get online and suddenly discover this world of amazing preacher, amazing preacher, amazing preacher, amazing preacher. And then after COVID, they say, come back to you. <laughs> you know, my seven followers and you know, and, you know, and some, you know, some pastors are experts, but preaching isn't their expertise, but they're amazing in other things, in building community and all the rest, right? So it's very unfair to compare a pastor who has a teaching gift or a preaching gift with those that just do their very best, but then do amazing things during the week, all right? And I, and, and I, I but he was overwhelmed by that. He thought, they get a taste of that. And this guy said to him, oh, no, no, no. You know what the Stephen Furtick's can't do is bring a word to your community. He said, yeah, they, they, they can preach Jesus, but you can bring Jesus to this place where our feet are, where we walk and go to work and our kids go to school because this is where Jesus is needed. And yeah, they're great messages, but we need something where that Jesus that's amazing, is brought to the Jesus that helps us and, and deals with where we are at. 
And I just thought, of course. See, see, a church is a lampstand positioned in a place. Because if we all just disbanded and enjoyed following things, we could all grow individually, but the light wouldn't go into this area. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the problem. Yeah, that's, that's, that'd be cool for us. And this is what, when, when I said, hey, God, you know, the, those kings took their authority and their, their ability and they gave them to the beast. But I'm with you. I want to give you what I've got. He said, well, what you need to do is combine with your, your group and become the tallest, yeah. biggest lampstand that you can. Hallelujah. Someone in there. Hallelujah. So that's 2024. I want us to focus on. It's not that we're going to become the lampstand. It's a, Jay, can you put out that graphic that you... I just want us to be very aware of it. Our mission hasn't changed. Our mission is to disciple. Jesus said, go into all the world and disciple the nations. Our mission to cause each other to grow as disciples of Jesus is still our mission. That is how we bring the light. But I want us to be very aware that we do that mission here and then there's an overflow of the light. As we shine here, I praise God it reflects off you and others and it reflects outside. I, I would not say, oh, okay, we are going to narrow. You know, we do things online that are causing this message to go around the world. You know, we do a breakthrough Espinal, which is you know, connecting with Colombia and it's on the other side of the world. We're, we're, we're do, you know, but that's in the context of us shining bright where we are because this community needs a local church to be its lampstand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so lampstands are a privilege. They are not. See, Jesus didn't say, oh, you guys, if you stop meeting your lampstand, we won't be there. He actually said, well, you can keep meeting. You're just not going to be a lampstand. <laughs> That's a very confronting image. That he didn't sort of say, I'm going to disband you. He just said, I'm just going to stop you being a lampstand. I'll take my lampstand. I'll look for another group of people that will shine the light in this region and keep their heart fully to me with a red hot love first, first love type attitude. So it's a responsibility that comes. And you can read how each of the seven churches there were given a challenge and given a, a stir. But to each of them, they were seen by God as lampstands. So it's really interesting just to see how does God view us. He said to the lampstand that's here. We call, us, we, we call ourselves the breakthrough lampstand. Here in the... Like I said, we're bordering Bayswater and Wonturna, but further Baronia. Even in those groups, there's you know, sixty thousand people. Maybe, maybe forty-five, fifty. It's a it's a community here. Yeah, I know there's other lampstands. I know there's other local churches, and we join with them, and together we can shine light. But I don't want to sit here and say, oh, there's lots of lampstands. That's you know, talk about a first love. <laughs> yeah, 
hey, God, there's really big lampstands around. We'll just get a nice bowl and sit it here and just shine your light, really shiny inside our bowl. That's not going to cut it. Our job is simply to take all we have and everything that we've got and connect together with other people's gifts and become as much as we can the biggest, brightest light in this region by shining the light of Jesus wherever we go. Hallelujah. So that is actually going to be a focus. We're going to, through the church, through the how can we better shine, what can we do, how can we do this on purpose, how can we disciple. We disciple internally and how can we reach out to others externally. What can we do? It's a focus because it's God's plan and it's God's way and it's what God will do. Um, I have actually ordered some extra copies of these. Not the lamp stands, um, but the lamps. Um, but they haven't come in time. They'll be hopefully here next Sunday or Monday. Seven or eight days. So, if the, so I would like to make them available to you for a $1,000 because they're original <laughs> artifacts. <laughs> I dug them out of the um, clay and rubble myself. They look very similar. Um, no, but I want, I want you to be able to take one home and put it somewhere as a reminder of what our role is, right? So I would have loved to have them here but, um, next week, but you can, you can be thinking and planning and making a place in your home where you can say, I'm going to put that. They actually work. Like I said, they'll come with a wick. You can put oil in them. You can actually light them. I don't know how long they last. This one's lasted half an hour now. Um, you can refill, obviously. So they're working lamps, but they are more than just something to look at and gaze at. They are to stir your imagination and say, Jesus, how can I take what I have? How can I give what I have? Lord, what can I be involved in? Lord, what's a creative way I can do this? How can I share your love? What can I, how can I lift up your light in my home, in my workplace, and, Lord, how can I join with my brothers and sisters? And, and together, we shine the light in this region because these people need a light shining here. Hallelujah. And the light will not be overcome by the darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't we sing and just celebrate? I'm actually going to leave that on. Um, I'll move it back here. It is genuine, so don't kick it and knock it. Hallelujah. Cam, do you want to lead us in a song? Thank you, Lord. What an amazing visual. What an amazing word in season for us as we step into the new year to be lampstands to Bayswater and the surrounding suburbs. Lord, we just surrender everything to you, Lord. We say, yes, here we are. Send us, Lord. Use us to reach this community in a more powerful way. Lord, so we sing this song, Gratitude, with a heart of surrender. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the season that you're bringing us into, Lord. Thank you for the honor, the privilege to be a lampstand, to shine your light, to be led by a pastor at this time. Thank you, God.